0: Hello, America, and happy Friday. Yes, we made it through another week. Yes, this is the last edition of John Solomon Reports for the week. And for me, I'm going to do something I almost never do. I don't bring my family in very often. But you know what? Today is my son Joshua's 31st birthday. He is a special child to me. He is a special needs child. He has autism, hydrocephalus, epilepsy. He is the joy of mine and Judy's life. And today on his 31st birthday... On this platform, I just want to say, Joshua, happy birthday and thank you for enriching my life. The greatest job I have is not as a journalist, it's not even as a husband, it's been being your dad. And yeah, there are challenges when you have a special needs son, but I got to tell you something, Joshua, Josh, as I call him all the time, Josh man, J man, I got all sorts of names for him. You have given me something that I would never ever have imagine to ask for. It's the greatest gift of all. You slowed my life down on certain days and reminded me to celebrate the little things in life that we often take for granted. I can't thank you enough for giving me the privilege of being your dad and for also reminding us that little milestones, big milestones, you might not play Little League. I get that. But you know what? Every milestone in your life, you have celebrated with a joy, a that only comes from your heart. And you've made me a better person and you've made me privileged to be your dad. And so on your 31st birthday, happy birthday, son. Thank you. That's it. I had to get that off my chest because I've been smiling all day thinking about my extraordinary son. All right. Today is a special day. Earlier this week, we had an extraordinary TV special with our great friends at Real America's Voice at Heritage Action for America. We wanted to give people at the start of 2022, the start of another election cycle, one that will determine control of Congress, an update on the state of election integrity in America. We have some amazing guests. And what we did is we took the TV show, we adapted it. We've turned it into a podcast. I hope you will enjoy it. We had some great uh, discussions. We had governors, lieutenant governors from Winston Sears of Virginia, Brian Kemp of Georgia. We had senators, Marsha Blackburn. We had a secretary of state from Texas who actually has created one of the most model audits of an election, just to tweak the system, just to get it better. He found 12,000 people who might be foreigners who tried to register to vote. He's done things just to clean up the books so that people will have greater confidence in the system, that they can make voting easier and cheating harder. This special is really fun. I'm going to turn it over to you today. That's how we're going to spend Friday, listening to some of the great interviews we have. I hope you enjoy it. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Here we go with the special. America, and welcome to this Just the News Real America's Voice special report, How State Legislation Exemplifies Election Integrity. I'm your host, John Solomon. Tonight, in concert with our partner, Heritage Action for America, we're going to do a deep dive into the importance of election integrity reform and how state-level solutions serve as a check to the possible corruption and insanity inserted by Washington's political league. Over the last two years, election integrity and voting rights have been two of the major hot button issues in politics. Although the fight for integrity in our election system has been around for decades, the results of the 2020 election sparked states nationwide to take action by passing legislation to further ensure the security of our elections, making it easier to vote and harder to cheat. One of the first states to do that was the great state of Georgia, and the man who signed that election integrity bill into law is here with us tonight, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. Governor, it's great to have you on the show.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. Glad, glad to be here.
0: It's an honor to have you here, sir. It's been 10 months. It almost seems impossible. It's almost been 10 months since you signed that bill into law. How has it changed things in Georgia and also the conversation nationally?
1: Well, look, the debate's moved to Washington, D.C. You know, things very quiet in regards to the Elections Integrity Act here in Georgia, because it Mm -hmm. does just what you just said, John, makes it easy to vote and hard to cheat. And if you go back to the furor of the All-Star Game getting moved here because of the Elections Integrity Act and the outrage, uh, but then we stood up and fought and pushed back and told people the truth. And we've been doing that for a long time. So when thankfully the Braves won the World Series this year and the games were played in Atlanta and Houston, where Texas had also passed elections reform, uh, you didn't hear a word about Senate Bill 202 because finally, uh, I think the Democrats have read the bill and realized that it's not suppressive, it's not Jim Crow 2.0. We wanna have secure, accessible, fair elections and what we did was address mechanical issues that we saw in the last election uh, but, you know, the Democrats are using this as an excuse to have a federalization and, and to right. take over states elections all over the country.
0: Yeah, it is remarkable. And, and the, uh, a lot of it is demagoguery when you hear the different things that people are talking about. I, I want to ask you, you got a lot done in a very short period of time. It, it was only two or three months after the election. You got the bill passed. Are there other are things that you would like to tackle on the election integrity front or that you see other states tackling that you might one day want to model?
1: Well, I'm very proud of the legislation that we have. Every single Republican voted for that. It's been ranked number one, as you know, by Heritage, and we're very proud of that. So we're we're focused on implementing that. We had, you know, the press doesn't mention this, but we had a big Atlanta mayor's election here uh, this November, and, you know, municipal races all over the state had no problems, no suppression, you know, none of these issues and the media didn't even report on that. So we wanna continue to implement what we have. Now that being said, we're always open to to looking at things and working with people, but I think right now for our General Assembly, everybody's focusing on defending this. You know, We got the Biden Mm -hmm. Justice Department that's suing the state of Georgia, a lot of other activist groups that are suing our state. So our job now is to fight in the court of law uh, to make sure that this stays the law of the land in Georgia, and that's exactly what we're gonna do.
0: Yeah, that is going to be a big fight. And you're right, the Justice Department attacked this almost immediately. And then not so long ago, President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris came to town, came to Atlanta, to your hometown, and they pushed their voting agenda there. They said a lot of things. One of them uh, is trying to equate voter ID with Jim Crow 2.0. Yet all the polling shows just the opposite, whether you're African-American, Hispanic, white Americans, they all support voter ID. How do they get away saying that? What's your response to what they said the other day?
1: Well, listen, I think looking back on that trip, I mean, it was disaster for President Biden. I mean, a lot of opinion writers are writing about that was, you know, just the downfall of his presidency. He went too far. He was, he was angry. Uh, he wasn't telling the truth. You know, he's criticizing Georgia's election laws when his own state of Delaware is much more restrictive. And even the national bill that they have, which I think is a terrible idea to do, um, is, is, you know, more restricted than the state of Georgia's bill is. I mean, I don't understand why he keeps coming to do this unless it's just that, you know, he's, he's lost the middle of the country. He's trying to pacify the base to have some resemblance of support out there uh, because none of this makes any sense. He's not being truthful with people. And that's what I've done. I mean, I've been truthful with all voters uh, about what this bill does. There was things that we needed to address in regards to the security of the election, but we also added days that people can vote on the weekends if the county wants to uh, take us up on that offer under this new law. And we're going to address, you know, the president mentioned long lines where our, our bill addresses if the counties are having long lines, which that's where the problems are, Democratic-run counties, not with the state of Georgia. Uh, this legislation will make them take action so people aren't standing in line a long time. So like what he's telling people is not even true. And I think the American people and certainly people in Georgia are seeing through that. And that's reflected in his poll numbers. He really should be focused on, you know, inflation and a lot of other disastrous things that are going on in our country right now versus, you know, the Elections Integrity Act that we passed in Georgia.
0: Yeah, it's funny. uh, They keep mentioning Georgia, but voting's up in Georgia. People are voting more and more frequently. There isn't a suppression problem at all. Now, you did mention some of the blue counties, Fulton County and others. The law allowed for the state to come in and take a look at some of those. How is that going specifically as it relates to uh, Fulton County, the home of Atlanta, Georgia?
1: Well, you know, the Democrats are always saying, you know, Republicans are going to go in and take over Democratic-run elections offices. And that's, you know, the, the, the law says that there's a process that the state election board can go through Members of both parties can submit complaints. That's been done. So there is a review of Fulton County going on. I'm very supportive of that. I've messaged that uh, to the board. I've sent them other things that I felt like they should be looking into. Constitutionally, they have the subpoena powers and the investigative powers over elections here in the state of Georgia. Uh, But this can happen with a red county or, or a blue county, but it's no you know, it's not like a very easy process to do. It's got to be methodical. The state election board is bipartisan. You never hear President Biden mentioning that. And they're going through that due diligence now. But it's not like you can just say, oh, we just want to go take over the elections office and make it happen. You have to have a a due process to do that. Uh, I chaired the state election board for nine years. Uh, It's a body that functions you know, relatively well, or at least it did when I was Secretary of State. Sure. And, uh, you know, I expect them to look into these things in a, in a fair way and follow the truth. And that's what they should be doing.
0: Yeah. Facts and process. That always protects everybody. And that's what Georgia has put into place. Uh, I got about a minute left. I want to ask you this. There are other states thinking of getting on the Georgia bandwagon, doing some of this. What advice would you give a governor or legislature uh, if they were about to embark on this effort to strengthen integrity, make voting easier and make cheating harder?
1: Well, it's going to be a political process, as you know, so you're going to have all the activists working against you. But what we did here is we talked to citizens that saw things. We talked to county elections officials, many of them that I worked with for almost nine years, got their feedback, found out what their problems were, asked them if solutions like tying voter ID to absentee ballots and you know having continuous counting and further securing drop boxes would make sense to them, would it speed the elections process up? make it more efficient, make it more secure. And they agreed with those things. So we had buy-in from the people that are running elections. The County Commissioners Association of Georgia weighed in on some ideas that we incorporated into that. So we, we had a big tent that we worked with to make sure we were addressing problems and real needs that were out there. And most Georgians know that.
0: Yeah, I think that's really true, sir. Governor Kemp, it's an honor to have you on. Thank you so much for your time tonight.
1: Thank you, have a great day. You too, sir.
0: All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, get ready for a big flyover as we're going to discuss election integrity and the history of securing the vote with Hans von Spakovsky from Heritage Action for America. Stay here. We'll be right back. Thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount, plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out.
2: President Biden is lying about Georgia's new election reform. Even the Washington Post caught him in his lies. This new ethics law doubles early voting on weekends. Voting on two Saturdays, guaranteed. And if you'd rather vote after church on Sunday, you still can. Absentee voting is strengthened. All absentees will now be on watermark security paper, like a car title, with voter ID required. So you know every vote counts the same, one time. To provide a pressure-free voting experience, special interest groups are kicked out of polling places and counties can still provide water for people waiting in line. That's the truth. Read it yourself. And don't fall for the lies by those who want to divide us. In America, our vote is our voice. We need to make sure it is easy to vote, but hard to cheat. To do your part, join Heritage Action today.
3: Pay for by Heritage Action for America.
0: All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Now, election integrity has been in the political headlines as the hot button issue consistently for about three years, but the issue is anything but new. In fact, concerns about the health and security of our nation's electoral system have been consistently addressed for decades by the voters, politicians, activists, and others on both sides of the political aisle. Joining me now to provide an in depth overview of election integrity reform in our nation is Hans von Spakovsky, senior legal fellow for the Heritage Foundation and author of a great book you all should read, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Hans, it's great to have you here today. John, thanks for uh, having me on your show. It's an honor. Before we get started with the bigger issues, I want to just remind people you have a tremendous resume. You've worked in this area for so long. Tell us a little bit about how you came to work in the election integrity field.
4: Well, it started with me being appointed to a county election board down in Georgia, and you know that's that? where that's where the work really gets done because elections yeah. in this country are run down the county level. Um, I then went to the Justice Department, uh, where I helped enforce our federal uh, voting rights laws. Uh, I spent two years at the Federal Election Commission, and after I came off the F.B.C. I served on a county election board once again, this time in Virginia in Fairfax County, which of course is the largest county in the state.
0: Amazing. And uh, bookending that right at the front lines of, uh, of election integrity. That's amazing. Um, the left is painting this picture that Republicans have only recently been pushing for election integrity reform and for policies such as requiring voter ID or proof of citizenship to vote, but that's simply not true. Can you uh, help people understand the history on this and particularly the consistency of conservatives and Republicans on this issue?
4: Well, people should remember that um, Georgia's photo uh, ID law was in place for the first time in the 2008 election. Similarly, Indiana passed also a requirement to show a government issued photo ID. Uh, They were sued by a, a, a host of liberal groups. That case went all the way to the United States Supreme Court. And in 2008, the Supreme Court issued a decision saying that that's a a common sense requirement. It is perfectly constitutional. So Indiana's law also has been in place since the 2008 election.
0: Yeah, such an important moment to remember. Now, President Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris, the vice president, been going around the country saying that this is uh, an argument. George is the reason why we need to have federal control over our election system. Now, that's not what our founding fathers intended. Also, it's not the way elections have generally worked. Describe impo- how important it is to keep election integrity at the local level, the rules set by the local people.
4: Well, in fact, uh, look, the framers wanted a decentralized system. We have the most decentralized of any of the Western democracies because they did not want the political party in power in Washington setting the rules for the elections because they were afraid that uh, they would set the rules so that it would be easy to manipulate elections and make sure they stayed in power. And that is still true today. That's why we allow states to run our elections. Uh, and that's the way it ought to remain.
0: Yeah, it's it's been that way for so long and it's worked just fine. Now, one of the things yeah. that you hear today are, the Democrats arguing against very uh, very similar items that they supported just a decade or two ago. There was a bipartisan commission back in 2005 that right. ar- argued for voter ID. Now Democrats on the opposite side of that. How did that happen? And what is their political interest in changing sides on these issues?
4: Yeah, it's really odd. It, as you're right, it used to be bipartisan agreement on this, uh, particularly yeah. that 2005 report of uh, President Jimmy Carter and former Secretary of State James Baker. Um, It has gotten extremely partisan with this huge divide developing uh, since then. Uh, I think it's because um, folks on the left side of the political aisle believe that by scaring voters with these claims of voter suppression, which are just simply not true, that that kind of propaganda somehow helps them uh, in their efforts to get elected and to raise money from their constituents. I think it's a huge mistake Uh, But I think that's kind of what has driven this deep divide on this.
0: Yeah, such an important point. The other day, uh, you wrote a great op-ed on Fox News. The title was The 10 Worst Provisions in the Biden-Schumer Voting Rights Bill. I'd like to hear from you firsthand what you believe those 10 worst provisions are and what they would do to the country if they had become law.
4: Look, the essence of these bills in Congress are to uh, get rid of and destroy all of the safety and security protocols that states have put in place. And so, for example, um, they would gut state photo voter ID laws. They would ban any state being able to request an ID or identifying information when uh, absentee ballots are requested. It would even prevent witness signature requirements on absentee ballots, which is, a, again, a basic uh, security measure intended sure. to protect voters. Uh, it would also severely restrict the ability of states to clean up and maintain the accuracy of their voter rolls, putting in all kinds of rules that uh, clearly would uh, make our rolls even worse than they already are, and they are a serious problem around the country. Um, there are all kinds of other provisions. S-1, for example, would mandate that all states allow what's called uh, vote harvesting. I actually right. call it vote trafficking. Uh, That means that states would have to allow third-party strangers, like paid political consultants, to pick up uh, the votes, the absentee ballots of voters at their homes, which puts these ballots, a, a valuable commodity, it puts them in the hands of people who have a stake in the outcome of the election, so that they could alter, change them, perhaps not deliver them, and... It puts them in a position of uh, coercing and pressuring voters in their homes. Why would you want to authorize something like that? Particularly, John, when we know that there's no voter suppression going on. We had the highest turnout in a presidential election in 2020 since 1992, and the voter registration rate was higher than the past five presidential elections.
0: Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. One of the challenges that Democrats have, they're not only arguing against themselves, because 10 years ago, they were for a lot of these provisions. They're arguing against the polling that shows Americans really want yes. these things. It's actually very popular voter ID, uh, cleaning the voter rolls. How does that create a problem for the Demo- Democrats going forward? They're actually going into the headwind of the Americans' uh, will.
4: Yeah, that's really odd, isn't it? Um, What the polling shows on all these issues is that Americans want both access and security, whereas Democrats just keep pushing access. They don't really care whether the access are individuals who aren't supposed to be voting like like aliens uh, Mm -hmm. and others. And uh, I think this is going to start causing them problems. you may have noticed Stacey Abrams uh, was not at Joe Biden's yeah, speech down in Georgia. And I think that was because there was a huge backlash against her when uh, she was attacking Georgia's election reform bill and Major League Baseball, as you know, polled the all-Star game. A lot of people got mad at her because they said, "Look, you're driving all this business out of the state for That's and weird. why?" Because the state has had a voter I.D. law in place for many years and black turnout in the state has actually gone up, not down. And I think that was her recognizing uh, they are going against the headwinds. Other Democrats have not recognized that problem.
0: Yeah, may come at it may come at their peril in the next election. We've got about 30 seconds left. Hans, is there any issues that we should still be worried about that are unaddressed as we head into the 2022 and 2024 pivotal elections?
4: Well, the big thing is that uh, uh, at the grassroots level, people need to push state legislatures, which are all now starting up, to push reforms through those states that haven't already done it to fix the vulnerabilities that currently exist in the system.
0: Yeah. We're going to be watching that here at Real America's Voice in justin News. That's one of the most important dynamics of 2022. Hans, we greatly appreciate your time. Thanks for joining. Folks, we'll be right back. So stick around. of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JustNews. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JustNews. One more time, go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home.
5: Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks.
0: All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Last year, our nation witnessed a major upset in the Virginia elections, when Republicans regained control of all the statewide offices and the legislature, flipping a blue state, at least a state that had been blue for 10 years, to red for the first time in over a decade. The results showed Commonwealth voters were frustrated with Democrats and other liberal policies in the school districts and in the federal government that pushed things like critical race theory in the student curriculum and heavy-handed pandemic mandates. But what's interesting is that no one questioned the results of Virginia state elections, despite having three Republicans elected to statewide office. Joining us now is one of the victors from November, the Republican Lieutenant Governor of Virginia, Winsome Sears, to talk about the value of state election integrity solutions compared to those from Washington's political elite. Lieutenant Governor Sears, it's an honor to have you on the show.
6: Good evening. It's good to be here and good to be hearing uh, in front of your viewers, actually.
0: It's, an, it's great to have you here. We're, we're so excited. When you see what's been going on in uh, just up the, up the street from you in Washington with the Democrats in Congress, they're trying to push their what they call a voting rights agenda. But really what it is, is a federalization of an election system that has always been in the control of the states. What do you think is going on in Washington? And do you think Virginia has a better approach? Well,
6: I think if they... The folks in D.C. stop thinking that they know what's right for all of us. And if they stay within the bounds of the Constitution, then we should be fine. Uh, Let the states make the decision about where they're going to go, uh, you know, as they come to their elections. We don't want one side to get, uh, of course, overly confident and, and act as if, you know, they're going to win everything, and we we just want to be left alone. And I think that's what happened in Virginia. The people just said, "Leave us alone. We don't want government constantly in our lives. We don't want to be told what to do. We are adults. Leave us alone. We, you know, we go uh, to work. We buy a little piece of property. This is our own castle. You know, leave us alone. And I think that's what we we ought to have. Leave us alone."
0: It's a, it's a sentiment that goes all the way back to the founding of this great country. There's no doubt about it. Uh, one of the places where that heavy-handed Washington solution or big government solution has been injected has been in education. And obviously the election in Virginia was all about education. Who's in control of our students' future? Is it parents or is it the school bureaucrats? What message did you take from the voters in this election?
6: Well, first of all, you know, we're fighting for the children but I think each side is fighting differently. Uh, We're fighting for the parents to have the right, the continued right, to decide for themselves where their children should go to school and how their children should be taught and, and what they should be taught. Imagine that, whereas it seems that the other side is saying, give us your children and we will decide what's right for your children. Who is we? We didn't have these children. The child belongs to the parents uh, uh the, the, the people who had them you know and furthermore the the child the, the child's first teacher are the child's parents so how about we just once again you mind your business and you leave me to my business
0: it seems like a very good solution for a lot of people when um as we've been listening in Washington with Joe Biden and and Chuck Schumer, we hear great names. We hear John Lewis, we hear Martin Luther King. There's a lot of talk about race, but it seems to be race at dividing, it's a discussion about dividing the country, not uniting like those great leaders did a half century ago. Uh, Is race being weaponized uh, in this
6: current environment that we're in? You know what I would like? I would like to find the Nelson Mandelas of the world who, when he left prison, if any man would have wanted to seek retribution, it would have been him. And yet he, did, he knew that if he, he, if he went down that path, it would destroy his country. And so what he, what he advocated was, let's talk about the things that are dividing us and then let's move on. Because the fact of the matter is he could not get back those years that were stolen from him. He had to move on and and, and seek reconciliation. Right. And I think he was that country's, if you would, uh, George Washington. So if we could take a page from that, y- you know, yes, we know, boy, do we know that black people have been ill-treated, you know, from the start. Right. But how how much longer are we going to have this around our necks to say, you know, this, this, and when do we start saying, you know, the glass is really half full and, and, and have our children look at life in that way? So they're not walking around thinking that they're victims. They're not walking around thinking that they need a savior, you know, a political savior to come along and th- that they understand you, you have that God given spark in you and you can build yourself. And if we come alongside and help you to do that, you'll be. A, a great person, you'll create generational wealth, you will have a great outlook on life. Every day, life is going to hit you hard, but it's okay. This too, you will overcome.
0: Yeah, such an important sentiment to have, that resilience that America has always had at the, sto- the heart of its story, no always has. Um, I wanna ask you about the idea, we hear voter suppression, we hear all these concerns that Democrats are out there, and yet when you look at the elections, more people are voting than ever. More minorities are voting than ever. There's more engagement, more registration, more ways to register. Is the story of voter suppression really an accurate picture of what we're seeing in America today?
6: You know, there was actually, during the, mor- the morning hour, one of the Democrat senators uh, stood up to defend uh, the, the what we discovered that the Democrats had a fundraising type of event and you needed an ID, a yes. photo ID to be <laughs> let into the building. And so when they were called on the mat for that by a Republican senator, the Democrat senator stood up and say, well, it's because, you know, that's and so, that's and so. So I, I thought you said you were for the little people. right? You know, uh, so if, if a photo ID is required to enter your event as Democrats, then why shouldn't you have a photo ID? to come to the polls. If in New York, you're asking the waiter to ensure that the person who is presenting this vaccine card is who they say they are by presenting also a photo ID, then why can't you have that at the polls? Listen, we must have the the, the ballot box, the polling be sacrosanct. We must know who's coming to the polls. It's disingenuous, and it's just another divisive measure.
0: Yeah, such an important point, and great great contrast with the Democrats' own fundraising machine. Last question I want to throw at you. A lot of people have said the model that Governor Youngkin and you used, not only to run on issues that connected with people, but also the way you were going to monitor elections so everybody had confidence at the end of the day that the election results are fair. Tell us what you did. What, what makes that a model for the rest of the country?
6: Well, you know, we had people at the polls. Um, we had people for, um, actually even better inside the polls. So they right. were election officers. You don't get paid very much, maybe $100, $130 per right. day. But, and, and then you are trained by the state. The state trains you on how to conduct elections properly. And so we, we ensured that republicans as much as possible went and registered to become officers of the election they could see what was happening they could ensure that uh you know people had access to the ballots as they should have so they and then of course we had uh people outside the polls to ensure that you know uh people were being uh led here and led right. there it wonderful you you can't complain about elections and not offer yourself to say, well, I'm going to ensure that our elections are what they should be. And so that's what we're saying to people. Get involved. Get involved. Send $5. My God. Do you know how many people sent $5 and it helped? Now, yeah. I'm not saying send me $5 if you can afford more, but <laughs> don't think that your, you know, your money is not right. accepted. We will yep. take everything and then call and yep. call your, your, you know, friends and tell them to go out and vote. Well, another thing we told them was to go pick somebody up and right. come to vote, and they, they vote early. There's strength vote in early. numbers,
0: isn't there? That's one of the great yeah. lessons, one of the great lessons we learned. Lieutenant Governor, I could talk to you all day. I thank you so much for the time today and all we learned, and I think people are gonna be talking about the Virginia election for a long time to come. There's lots of lessons for all of us to learn.
6: Yes, there is. Thank you very much, and thank you to your viewers. Thank
0: you. All right, folks, don't go away. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. Delve into the shadows of
2: the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe, now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall.
7: All
0: right, folks, welcome back to the show. At the start of this new year, we had an article over at Justin News about a Biden judicial nominee who in the past openly declared that showing a photo ID or proof of citizenship at the ballot box was a form of racial voter suppression. Well, my next guest has stood up to that nominee. Her name was Nancy Abudu. Uh, and in the Senate, and has been one of the most eloquent voices in talking about election integrity in Washington, in the Senate, in Congress. Joining me right now from the great state of Tennessee is Senator Marsha Blackburn. Senator, great to have you on the show tonight.
7: It is good to be with you. And you are correct. We have had some judicial nominees that oppose voter ID, They oppose signature match. Uh, They want to federalize elections. And that is something that causes us a tremendous amount of concern because we know that our states prefer to fulfill their constitutional duty and set the time, place, and manner of elections in their states. That is the state legislature's charge.
0: Yeah. And for some reason, uh, the Democrats in Washington want to rumble over that. When you look at this now, you've been an eloquent voice on this for a long time. Why is it important to keep the elections of the state? What did the founding fathers see in the power of the state legislatures that they thought would be a better arbiter of how elections are carried out than a big government in Washington?
7: When you go back and, and look at the founding, they felt that the individual jurisdictions should have the ability, the states should have that ability to set how they would carry out their elections for the people in that state. It also gives the state the opportunity to work with the subdivisions or the counties that are there to administer those elections. And in this entire discussion, we have to remember, we are a government of, by, and for the people. And our founding documents put people with a capital P, meaning that we're the ones that have to be the people and show up and fulfill our, our duty. So it is important that we realize that this is the charge to our state legislatures. And in Tennessee, our legislature has worked very hard to work with these counties to be certain that the proper rules are in place, that our elections are free and fair. Uh, The emphasis for us in Tennessee, as I know for many other states, it is let's make it easier to vote and let's make it harder to cheat.
3: It's
0: hard to argue for that. That's a great goal. And I think that's the the, the message that a lot of Americans are now getting. But when they listen to President Biden or when they listen to uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, they keep hearing things like, well, voter ID is racial suppression or we're going back to an era of Jim Crow Too, You said it's very important to listen to the people. The people in the polling are adamantly clear that they believe voter ID is a good thing. 80% of Americans, including 79% of African Americans, believe this is a good thing, not a bad thing. What does it say when you have a president and a party in Washington that's running directly into the headwinds of what Americans want?
7: Yes, and it is a party and a president that are not listening at all. As you said, Voter ID is very popular with the American people. They think that you should have to prove who you are to cast a ballot, to run for office. They think that you should have to show who you are to get into a child's school. And they have grown accustomed to saying that's a part of what we do. My goodness, now you have to show a vote, a, an ID and a vax card to go into a restaurant in Washington, D.C. But people want to protect the integrity of the ballot box. They want to make certain that it is one person, one vote. And as I said, John, when I talk to Tennesseans, they will say easier to vote, harder to cheat. That should be the goal of what we are doing.
0: Yeah, and that's what polls show Americans want. And that's uh, what makes this whole debate in Washington so mystifying right now. Uh, states like your own, Tennessee. Now, but
7: you know, John, the one thing that we have to realize is they're using this election law, Schumer is using it to blow up the Senate and blow up the Senate rules yeah. so that he can blow up the rule of law and the courts and pack those courts and push this agenda they know they have a very short window to radically transform this country to push their socialist agenda so their their push this week is to say well let's do a carve out let's just blow up the senate rules so we can pass this federalizing of elections Let's just do it for this one thing. But the American people know it will not stop there. It's going to move on to open borders, to DC statehood, to an expanded Supreme Court, to taking control of your children from daylight to dark and their education and taking control of your bank account. The American people know all of that would be quickly behind it as must pass, we have to do this legislation. We have to do it right now.
0: Yeah, it's such a great warning. A lot of people talk about this effort as a Trojan horse, that there's a lot more behind it than the the stated claim that they're just trying to update election laws. Um, Your state, uh, Georgia, Uh, Arizona have taken the lead since the 2020 election to do or to change the laws in such a way to try to bring more confidence to those voters so that when they go to the box they're not worried like they've been in past elections. What do you think are some of the smartest reforms out there that states and maybe even Washington should take a look at?
7: You know I think that uh, some of the things we need to do are to make certain that the federal government can never override a state and the outcome of uh, of their election. You remember very well in 2000 when right. it was George Bush and Al Gore. And Al Gore, of course, a Tennessean, and I'm sure you remember how they called Tennessee early for Al Gore. And then of course the vote starts coming in and George Bush has won Tennessee and there were the demands for Tennessee to go back and to recount those results could That's not right. be right. And of course, Tennessee's numbers were right, so where did they go? Florida and the hanging Chad. So Tennesseans want to make certain that when they go vote, that they, the people of the state of Tennessee are going to determine the winner.
0: Yeah, I think that's it. We got about a minute left, Senator. I just wanna ask this, as Congress takes a deep breath from this last debate, what's the message you want every House member, every Senator to think about What lessons do we learn from this debate that we've just been through in trying to change the rules and force on America something that Americans don't seem to want?
7: And uh, that is why there is the filibuster in the Senate is to keep you from having these wide swings. In legislation. And as you well know, working toward a bipartisan decision on how to move forward on significant pieces of legislation, that is something that protects minority rights in the Senate. And I know it's frustrating. I've gotten frustrated with it when I was a House member and the Senate wouldn't take something up. Uh, But We know that it has been put in place and has been followed and deemed a rule of the Senate because it does allow the minority voice to be heard and for there to be bipartisan participation in the rules and the statutes that are going to govern the lives of the American people.
0: Yeah, the uh, great Senator Robert Byrd once told me, it's uh, the great thing about the filibuster, it's a consensus maker. So, Senator, thank you so much for your time today. It's a great honor to to have you on the show, and we really appreciate your insights.
7: Thank you so much. Take
0: care. You as well. Stick around, folks. When we come back, the Secretary of State from the great state of Texas, John Scott's here to talk about an extraordinary new audit he did and what he found about possible non-citizens trying to vote in his state. We'll be right back after these messages.
2: President Biden is lying about Georgia's new election reform. Even the Washington Post caught him in his lies. This new ethics law doubles early voting on weekends. Voting on two Saturdays, guaranteed. And if you'd rather vote after church on Sunday, you still can. Absentee voting is strengthened. All absentees will now be on watermark security paper, like a car title with voter ID required. So you know every vote counts the same one time. To provide a pressure-free voting experience, special interest groups are kicked out of polling places, and counties can still provide water for people waiting in line. That's the truth. Read it yourself, and don't fall for the lies by those who want to divide us. In America, our vote is our voice. We need to make sure it is easy to vote, but hard to cheat. To do your part, join Heritage Action today.
3: Pay for by Heritage Action for America.
0: folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Just a few weeks ago, Texas Secretary of State John Scott released the findings of the first phase of his statewide election audit, and it made a lot of news, including identifying nearly 12,000 people who may be non-citizens and managed to register to vote. Lots of people around the country are talking about the approach Texas has taken, and we're lucky enough right now to welcome to us the man who started all that, Texas Secretary of State John Scott. Secretary Scott, great to have you with us,
3: John, thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you today.
0: It's an honor to have you. You've been in office just a few months. You started this audit. Tell us what inspired it and what you found in the first phase.
3: So I I think the 2020 election is what, and the the lack of confidence in the election process is what caused the the idea of the audit to go forward. Um, And what we were able to do is divide it into two tasks. And, the first part of the what we've called phase one uh was really to address those issues that should be readily available by all counties who are conducting uh these elections and you know as most folks may or may not know they're required on a presidential year to maintain those records of that election for 22 months right so the clock starts running as soon as the election takes place so these audits you've got to be very careful about when it is that you go into uh, go into action.
0: Yeah, such an important point. Now, you get started, one of the things that made headlines was the audit seemed to suggest when you compared lists with citizenship and other things, there may have been about 12,000 people who registered, who are under suspicion of being non-citizens, foreigners. Uh, how has the state addressed that? What's been going on since those findings?
3: So uh, it, it, what's, what's equally interesting, John, is that uh, there's been this hyper-politicization of the yeah. audit. Uh, and yep. um, so we call that uh, voter maintenance uh, or, or, or maintenance of the voter rolls. Right. Uh, it, it is supposed to only have those persons who are eligible on the election rolls. And when we identify individuals uh, through the Department of Public Safety who have registered to vote and subsequently have self-identified uh, with the Department of Public Safety, that they are either not U.S. citizens or they uh, show up as being non-U.S. citizens when they get their driver's license in Texas. That is the group of people that we, uh, this almost 12,000 folks, that we sent off those names and their information to each of the uh, counties that had them on their rolls and asked them to do an investigation to determine whether in fact they were U.S. citizens, had been naturalized where it was a, a clerical error, uh, or if they were in fact uh, non-U.S. citizens to make sure that they were taken off the voter rolls immediately.
0: Some of the counties jumped right into action. I think may have been Dallas County, I saw it already has removed 2,000 of the suspected non-citizens from their rolls. Other counties were a little slow. Uh, is there a politicalization down below when you get to the local level, How people take, how seriously people take these issues?
3: I, I, I think we had a couple of things going, and I'm going to be as beneficial as, uh, or, or as, uh, I, I guess, uh, kind as possible. Uh, I, I I will assume that everyone had equal uh, desire to have accurate voting rolls. Right. Um, I think some prioritized it much more than others. Uh, it, others, it was the last thing in the world until we told them that we might cut off some of their funds that are from the state of Texas if they did not properly maintain their roles uh and the reason i say it's kind of the interesting aspect of it is we also looked at uh folks who were potentially dead uh and may have voted in the last election you know sometimes that happens simply because they cast a ballot by mail and subsequently expire and so that's not a dead person voting, right? Uh, which we would all agree is impossible. Right. But what we wanted to do is get clarification on how many of those happen. So we wanted that, uh, the counties to, uh, to do that. None of the counties had an issue with that. None at all. And, and again, that's where I talk about the politicization. But when we talk about non-U.S. citizens, all of a sudden it becomes a very much of a, a political question to most people uh, out there. Uh, and it shouldn't be. There should be no disagreement that only eligible voters get to vote.
0: Yeah, and you see in other localities, San Francisco, New York City being the largest uh, locality perhaps, uh, that there's an effort to allow non-citizens to vote at the local level. As someone who oversees elections in Texas, what's the harm in letting that? What message does that send to America when cities start to do that?
3: I, I think it makes it very difficult from an administration of elections at some point in time Um, uh, You know, the the benefits and burdens of being a U.S. citizen uh, are as long as we could probably spend an hour and a half listing and not even touch the surface. Um, Those benefits and burdens don't attach to others that are not U.S. citizens. Uh, I I think the right to vote is a sacred right. Uh, It it is what our democracy is founded upon. And I, I think absent having it limited to those who are U.S. citizens is insanity. Uh, And I don't know how anyone will ever properly administer some of those uh, elections, because I think it it seems to me that the next step is how can we keep these people who vote in all these other elections from voting in our other elections? Right. Uh, Which, uh, again, that's an easy one to address or easier, it seems like, for some places. But in Texas, I don't see that happening in my lifetime. Yeah.
0: Uh, it's, it was such a fascinating finding. You found some other interesting things. You found some people that might have voted in two locations or two states. Uh, this audit seems to have really just kicked the tires and give everybody a health check. Would, what would you recommend to other states that are considering doing this?
3: So. You- we have an enormous amount of data that we receive from the counties after each election. Right. And I think it's all an opportunity to understand where we have deficiencies in our system and to fix those, make recommendations for how to fix it and fix it based upon facts. Because at the end of the day, we want that uh, that debate about whether it was a free and fair election uh, to not even be on the list of things that people discuss. They can discuss, they disagree with, president trump or president biden they can say well they wanted secretary clinton that's great that's politics but what's not political and what should never be political is the integrity and the uh, confidence that each american has in casting their ballot and knowing that it counts
0: yeah and perception is reality when it comes to trusting that voting system you have to believe in it to go uh in the last minute and a half we have i just want to ask you a quick question President Biden and the Democrats in Washington are arguing for federalizing a lot of the standards. Texas has proudly kept its elections local and with state control because that's the way the founding fathers want it. Why is it important in your mind to keep the primary control of elections at the state level?
3: Well, I, I do not know how it is possible that a uh, centralized government in, in Washington, DC uh, that has had difficulty getting enough kits out uh, to do tests uh, to find out if someone has COVID would be able to properly operate our elections at the local level. And so just not even having to be theoretical, if recent origin, this same group of folks who can't get us tests, who can't get us monoclonal antibody therapies ordered, uh, would then take over and run our elections, I really see that as a bridge too far. It makes a lot of sense,
0: sir. Mr. Secretary, I have a funny feeling people are gonna be talking about the model you've created in Texas for a long time. I've been talking to a lot of people, they seeing this as something they may wanna do in their states. I really appreciate you taking the time today to share what you've done.
3: John, thank you so much for giving some coverage to it and uh, love watching it and very honored again to be on your show. Thank Same you.
0: Same here, sir. Thank you so much. Folks, stick around. We're gonna be right back with more discussion about election integrity right after this
5: visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey
2: the angie's list you know and trust is now angie and we're so much more than just a list we still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly
0: All right, folks, welcome back to the show. We wanted to close tonight's discussion with a very special guest, Jessica Anderson, the Executive Director of Heritage Action for America and our sponsor for tonight's special is joining us. Jessica, it's great to have you back on the show.
8: Thanks for having me, John.
0: It's an honor. We've just heard from governors, lieutenant governors, senators, uh, secretaries of state. They've all laid out the goal of trying to keep elections local just like our founding fathers intended. Where does this debate over election integrity and control of elections go
1: next.
8: Well, as we saw from tonight's program, the cry from the grassroots has never been more clear. We have to continue to block any federal overreach of our election systems, which means we have to preserve the filibuster and make sure that S-1, the Corrupt Politicians Act, can never pass. And then we have to work diligently state by state to tackle these state-based election integrity reforms, making sure states have voter ID, that they can clean up election laws, that election day poll workers have complete and total access within the ballot and chain of custody. All of these reforms and more, I think, will be front of center with these state legislative chambers as they go back into session this spring.
0: Yeah, that's one of the big opportunities. All the lawmakers in these states are getting back to work. Um, A lot of times people say, what's the difference? No one in Washington ever listens to me. But the truth of the matter is, Mm -hmm. Grassroots activity have a profound effect. We saw it in Georgia last year with the election integrity work you did. Explain to our viewers why the grassroots still has an effect even in the 21st century.
8: The grassroots voice has never been stronger, uh, more strategic, and more needed than this time, John. The truth of the matter is the reason we have not had a federal overreach of our election system is because of the grassroots. It's because they called Senator Manchin, Senator Cinema, and right. urged them to vote no. It's because they've shown up in town halls, they've shown up at state committee hearings, they've written letters, they've made these calls to state lawmakers to support bills like the Georgia bill, like Florida, like Texas, like Arizona. And so we need grassroots, we need them more than ever. They can get involved by texting elections to 51776. We are gonna have more than enough work to do this coming year. And frankly, John, we need the help.
0: Yeah, it is There is strength in numbers. And that's one of the things that the last year has shown particularly on election integrity. We got about a minute and a half left. I just wanna ask you this, Jessica, what should we be watching for? Obviously state legislatures are one key battleground. The courts also seem to have been helpful in recent months. Where do you think the big events in election integrity are gonna occur in 2022?
8: three areas. One, keep an eye on these these state reforms moving through general assemblies and state legislators across the country. What are governors asking to get on their desk in terms of voter integrity and securing the elections? Second, keep an eye on litigation as it moves through significant states like Pennsylvania and and Michigan and Wisconsin and some key battle battle, um, initiatives that are also forming, which will help fortify the litigation efforts. And then three, Get involved as an election day, an election uh, early voting poll worker and poll watcher. We need the help and we need to build that capacity in our ground game around election day operations. Those three things, John.
0: Those are pretty smart messages. I was struck by Lieutenant Governor Sears, who said that very thing. If you want to make a difference, join the election integrity team. You can do it right on the front lines. Uh, Jessica, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time tonight and also for the partnership on this great program.
8: Thanks, John, and thanks
0: for a great program. Uh, We had a lot of fun today. All right, folks, if you want to get involved, let me give you that number one more time with Heritage Action. All you do is you text elections to 51776. That's pretty easy to remember, 1776 with a five in front of it. All right, folks, that wraps it up for tonight's special. Thank you for joining us. A special thanks to our partner, Heritage Action for America, for making this uh, program possible tonight, and for Real America's Voice, giving this extraordinary platform that we have. Tonight, we had a big discussion about the consequences of federalizing our election system and stripping power away from the states. Why is that important? Well, we heard from governors, we heard from senators, we heard from secretaries of states and lieutenant governors that the reason we have state control of elections is that's the way our founding fathers wanted it. They knew the people, the leaders closest to the people were the best to decide how elections are conducted. That's why the Constitution laid it out that way. Varying away from it, comes with all of the issues that we raised tonight. We wanna keep a close eye on that and keep an eye that having elections local means we have a strong democracy in America. And with that, we wanna wish you a good night and may God bless you and our great country. Thanks for watching.